good to see you guys this morning, and uh, glad you're, you're here. We uh, we got Labor Day going on, and this is one last opportunity for people to take off before they settle into the routine for the fall. If you have your Bibles or devices, I want you to go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. And we're going to be there in just a moment, beginning with verse 15. I want to pray uh, after I read the Scriptures today. I, I just, sometimes people may wonder, how do we pray for the services? And we gather early and pray, and just all week long just praying. I, I You know, everybody does what they do, do with a picture in mind. I because I look at my own life and I, I pray, God, would you just would you just break my heart with the things that break your heart? Draw me close to you, Father. And when we gather, I just pray that you're so thick that if you want us to be silent, we'll be silent, Father, just to experience you. And that's what I pray. And we're talking about resetting our compass in a disoriented world. And if you don't think our world is disoriented, just pick up the news headlines, read, read daily what is taking place, and you'll see how disoriented we are. And we as Christ followers need to reset our compass. We need to make sure that we're heading towards Christ in everything that we do. And uh, today we're going to talk about an area of just in the area of time. What is God's will for our time? That we, I'm, I'm not take, talking about the seasons I'm just, just with the 24 hours we have every day, we're going to be looking at this. And uh, I, want to, I want to just challenge you with something else, because I, I would say that none of us really wake up in the morning saying, God, what is your plan for me today? I want to walk in whatever plan you have. I know that you love me and you have my best interests at heart. Lord, what? might you have me do with my day? Most of us get up, we jump into our day, we think about the Lord, but as far as giving Him access to us completely, we struggle in that area. And so we really want to dwell on this today. So Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15, let me read and then I want to pray for us. Paul says this to the church at Ephesus. He's writing from prison. He's writing to these people that uh, actually first century Christianity was looking for the return of Jesus at any moment. Uh, we lose that expect of heart. But uh, this is what he said to them. He said, look carefully then at how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to pray with me. And uh, I, I want us just to surrender this time to the Lord and ask the Lord just to speak to us. Father, God, it's one thing for me to say, 
for you to have your way and ask you to have your way, but Lord, you choose. You choose, Lord. You're, you're, I think you're looking for a people that want you. Lord, so often we're chasing after this world. We're chasing after what culture tells us to chase after. and We're just missing You. And Lord, if we're going to be effective in this day, we've got to reset our compass. We've got to focus on You. Lord, please overcome our flesh today. And speak to our hearts, our inner hearts, Lord that we may hear from the God of all creation. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're talking about resetting our watches today. And uh, I, I want to kind of set you up for this before I unpack what Paul said here just a little bit. Many of you know what red line is. If you, if you do not... Check in your car today, you have a RPM area, which uh, if your RPMs, at the end of that, uh, your RPM monitor there, you will have a red line. And what that tells you is, is if you stay too long in that red line, no longer is your safety guaranteed at that point. And a lot of people like to flirt with the red line and, and get it there and this kind of stuff. But if you stay in the red line too long, your safety is no longer guaranteed. So if a car runs too long in the red red line, it's going to break down. If your boat, we were uh, just commenting yesterday about how many boats were headed out to the lake for Labor Day. If a boat runs too long in the red line, you're going to have boat problems. Some of you have experienced that before. But in our lives... If we are living our life with the time we have so busy into the red line, it's just a matter of time before it's going to break down. You're going to have physical problems. You're going to have uh, mental problems. You're going to have emotional problems. You're going to have relational problems because relationships take time. But if you're running into the red zone all the time, you're, you're not building relationships. Spiritual life diminishes because you are busy, so busy in the red line, and we struggle in this area. And time today is the most precious commodity you have. I, I jokingly say it's easier for me to get a hundred dollars out of somebody than to get an hour out of them. Because our time is so precious and we, it's the, it's the most precious commodity that we have, and we are living in such a red zone, red line zone day that we we complain all the time, oh, I just don't have enough time. I can't get that. I was forgot that. I was so busy. I, I, I didn't write it on my calendar because we are redlining when it comes to our time. And we live in a day where there's a word that has developed that uh, explains much of life, and it's called multitasking. In other words, we, we say we can do many things at one time. We, in fact, some of you commute into Austin on I-35 
daily. I try to avoid that if I can, but every now and then you get out there. Isn't it amazing that people driving down I-35 early on a, on a morning, work morning, that what they can do besides drive? They, you see ladies putting makeup on. You see guys shaving at times. You see people eating. You see people reading. You see them texting, changing clothes. It's amazing what people will do uh, when they're headed to work early in the morning and stop and go traffic. And actually, I did some reading on this. And the experts involved, whoever the experts are, said that our human brains cannot multitask. We focus on one thing at a time. What happens is we have become adept at task switching. So if somebody is driving down I-35 early morning to go to work and they're doing multiple things... They're not multitasking, they're task switching. And articles go on to say, because we have become adept at task switching, negative things happen. They said, first of all, productivity is hampered. You're not as productive. Second of all, your focus is divided. You're prone to mistakes if you do this task switching. Thirdly, your comprehension is reduced. If you're reading a book and the TV's on or something like this, your comprehension actually drops. And fourthly, they discovered in businesses that your overall performance is lessened when you do the multitasking switch, uh, task switching that you may do. I was thinking about this. I, I thought... If I have to go in for open heart surgery, and they say, you're going to have open heart surgery, they, they prep me, they bring me into the surgery area, operating room, and before they put me out, I look at the doctor that is about to uh, do open heart surgery on me, and he has a YouTube video and a book that he is about to do the surgery. I do not want that guy as my doctor. I want somebody that is focused. I don't want somebody watching YouTube videos or or doing something else. I want a guy focused on my heart when he's going to get it into my chest. But what happens is, is that in this day of multitasking, we have talked ourselves in that we are good multitaskers when basically we are distracted all of the time and our, our productivity diminishes. Now, when it comes to time, we all have the same amount of time. We all have 168 hours in a week. We all have that same amount. So you're given uh, an account with 168 hours every week in it. And currently, the life expectancy in the United States of America is 78.5 Years. Wanda, you've ruined the curve for all of us there. And obviously, women live longer than men, but the average is 78.5 years that you're given to invest. 
and we spend our lives a little bit differently, but on the average, we sleep 56 hours a week. And I know some of you moms of preschoolers said, oh, I only wish. But the average is 56 hours a week. We work at least 40 hours a week. And some of you do more than that. But And some of you go to school, but it, it averages out to about 40 hours a week. Spend time eating. We we spend time about eight hours a week in eating. Grooming. The average male does three and a half hours of grooming a week. The average female does seven and a half hours of grooming a week. Screen time. Screen time is, I'm talking about TV, gaming, browsing, whatever. 26 hours in our week are spent on that. For you that exercise regularly, you exercise seven hours a week. House chores, whether it's doing the uh, uh, laundry, whether it's vacuuming, whether it's washing dishes, whether it's mowing the yard or whatever you may be doing, seven hours a week. What I've just gone over is 150 hours of your week. Remember I said you had 168 hours. That is 150 that I just went over. But that doesn't include worship attendance. It doesn't include your devotional life. It doesn't include your hobbies. It doesn't include chasing your kids to sporting events. It, it does not include service towards other people. And so what has happened with our time is we have blown our margins out. You know, margins are that on your paper, the red line where you don't, you, you don't want to read a book with no margins because it just, it, it's just, it just kind of gets you. You don't breathe when you're doing it, but you have margins. And the teacher would always tell you when you write, don't go over the margin, but a couple of letters because you, you have your margin. It's easier to read. But what we have done in our time in our day is we have blown our margins out. And we are so busy, we're, we're, we've stretched these out so far that we don't know how to spend, we don't know how to get still, we don't know how to do with our time what God would have us do with our time. And it's been said that if you want to know the true God of a person, Check how they spend their money and how they spend their time. There's a third one that has been added. Check their Google searches. And you will find what a person's God truly is. But how you spend your money and how you spend your time. And you can never get time back. There is no pause. How many times have you wanted to hit pause during the day? I just need to hit pause Right now, but you can't do that. There is no do-overs. There is no pause. So four questions for me arise. Question number one, can lost or wasted time be redeemed? Is there a way to redeem wasted time? Secondly, if I had one extra hour in my week, how would I invest it? If I had 25-7 instead of 24-7, how would I invest that one hour. Third, 
Who's in control of my time? Or does my time control me? And then last of all is this. The last question. Does God really care about how I invest my time? Does He care? And so we want to look at this today and what Paul has shared with his church in Ephesus. But I want to remind you, I've shared this every week. First of all, you exist on this planet for God's good pleasure. That's why you exist. And secondly, His will for you is your sanctification, which means your growth and your development as we become like Christ. Because God knows that when you're close to Him, you realize why you exist. So, four thoughts out of this passage today that we look at. Point number one is this. We need to take inventory. Take inventory. Notice what it says in verse 15. Paul said this. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Look carefully. Discern your time. Look at your time. How do you spend your day? Inspect your life with diligence. You can, you can do this at Outlook or you can do it on a piece of paper. Just mark out, how do I actually spend my time? You will be surprised in how you spend your time. But take inventory. Are you being wise Is this the wise thing to do in light of where you are in life right now? Is the tyranny of the urgent controlling you? The world is going to scream at you to go do it. But what does the Lord ask of you? You know, the Scriptures in Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to discern what God's will is, His good, acceptable, and pleasing will. But don't be conformed. And so often, we just do what everybody else does in our culture. We just think, that's what I'm supposed to do. This is the way I'm supposed to dress. This is the car I'm supposed to drive. This is the job I'm supposed to have. And we've become just like them, we just go to church. And what God says is be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take time to look at how you really spend your time. And and think about it this way. Because it's not evil that keep us from God. It's good things. Are there... Are, are, are so many good things preventing you from the best thing in your life? So here's the thought. In light of knowing that many times my life is out of control, am I willing to do an inventory of my current schedule? Are you willing to sit down and do this? Now, you may be in a particular season. You have preschoolers. You have, you have kids that you... You've got to do certain events. But inventory them. See where, uh, what really is taking place there. Second point, take control. Look on at verse 16. He says, making the best use of the time 
because the days are evil. Make make the most uh, make the best of the time. Redeem the time because the times are evil. Make the most of every opportunity that you have. Take control of your time. It 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 is up to me on how I use my time. It's up to me on how I use my time. I must take control because the world is going to cry out to me, so I cannot blame others for how I use my time. Take control. And I know many people will say, Mark, we're chasing our kids all over the place. And I understand that's a season. But I want you, uh, here's a warning. Do not let your family become kid-centric. Make sure it's God-centric. In our culture, we worship our children. And we let our homes become kid-centric instead of God-centric. It's just a warning. Beware. Because the world will pat you on the back for that. For being kid-centric instead of God-centric. Take control. Quit blaming work, kids, church, everything else for how you spend your time. And here's the thought. In light of knowing that I am susceptible to things setting my schedule, am I willing to quit blaming culture, media, or others for how I live my time? You spend your time. You have your time to invest. Point three is this. Take a look at your priorities. Look at verse 17. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Take a look at your priorities. Understand what God's will is. And this is what I've discovered. God has given me the perfect amount of time to do what He desires for me to do. The problem has is when I shirk God responsibilities to take ownership of my own time. And what I've learned is that life is a journey and not a destination. Yes, someday is heaven. But what happens is, is that we think, okay, heaven is God's time, this is my time. And we've got to be careful with that because life is a journey that God desires to walk close with us. And we only, it only makes sense when we are close to Him. And He knows that. So we've got to take a look at our priorities. And here is one of the major conflict areas. You ready for this? Among Christians. We are trying to do everything under the sun and we are completely frazzled and full of guilt, and when we think of our service to the Lord, we feel like failures. We try to do everything, and then when, when we know we should be serving in a particular area, and listen, I, every one of you in this room that is a follower of Jesus, and I can't suppose that all of you are followers of Jesus, but everyone that is a follower of Jesus in this room You know in your heart and in your head you're supposed to be serving. You're supposed to be loving your neighbors. You're supposed to be loving and leading your family. You're supposed to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ. 
you know all of this in your heart. But when it's, it comes time to be doing it, you feel guilty because your schedule is so full of other stuff. And we've got to take a look at our priorities. You know, I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share with you four areas that I know are God's will for your life. And they're God's will for my life. Number one is rest. The Bible talks about He has given us a rest. Now, He talks about a Sabbath rest, but He's also given us a day of rest. Some of you need to go home today and take a nap. You've got permission. Because some of you are a bear. And your family's tired of you being a bear. And you need to go home and take a nap. And get a better attitude. It's God's will for you to rest. And take care of your temple. Second of all, I know it is His will that I have a close relationship with Him. I know it's His will. I was created for His good pleasure. So I know this is part of my life is to draw close to the Father. Thirdly, I know it is His will that I have a relationship with other people. I was not meant to do life alone. I have family. I have friends. I have neighbors. I am meant to do life with them. I know this is God's will. And then fourthly, I call representation. I know it is God's will that I am His ambassador and I'm His light in a dark world. I know these four things are God's will. So if I look at those four things, I've got to say, God, am I using my time correctly to be doing Your plan? And so here's the thought. In light of knowing what God's best plan is for me, is there something I need to cease doing or remove from my current schedule? You cannot move forward if you don't know where you're spending and investing God's time for you. Number four, last point. Fill up. Fill up. Take inventory. Take control. Take a look at your priorities. And fill up. Notice verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or excess. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And he goes to talking about how that these change our worship. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And what I love about the original language here is it's a continuation. Continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And somebody may say, why do do we have to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit? I leak. It's just part of my daily life. I just leak. Uh, I leak by letting my flesh take over sometimes. I leak by my, my spending time in prayer by not loving people correctly, just by sin in my life, I leak. And so I need a continuous filling from the Holy Spirit. And that's what the command is here. Be ye continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Because whatever your attention is on, 
that will become your attraction and then will become your affection. Okay? So, if you're, if something has your attention, you're attracted to that, it will eventually become your affection. That's why the people are so in love with the world. Because it has their attention, they're attracted, and then their hearts follow and they're affected by it. We are called as followers of Jesus for Him to have our attention. Thus, we have our attraction here and our affection. I want that to make sense. Because we need to be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. How do you do that? Because that is the question. Yield? Yield your life to the Father? Lord, I I yield myself to You. There's times we come to the altar and we pray and we, we lay it all out before the Father and what we're tempted to do is to, to pick it back up and carry it back with us. Well, we need to come and yield. I yield to you, Father. And then I obey. I walk in obedience. Acts chapter 5 talks about they, He fills the Spirit with those who obey Him. And so we obey. We yield. We obey. And, and we ask. Uh, Luke chapter 11 if you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those that ask of Him? We ask, Lord, we yield. Here, here I am, Lord. I don't even know completely what I'm asking for, but I yield to You, and I walk in obedience the best way I know how, and I ask You, Lord, fill me with Your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I may not be the one in charge, but You are in charge. And as we come and yield to Him, we start seeing our lives differently. So, in light of knowing that other things want to control me, am I yielding myself to God's presence and His control? I'm not walking in your shoes. In fact, somebody can say, well, Mark, you're an empty nester. You're... uh, you know, you've got grandkids. You, your kids are raised. You don't know what it's like in this day to chase kids down. You're right. You're right. I do not. But I do have an obligation to proclaim truth of God's Word to you. And pray that God will give you the courage to wrestle through it so that you're following His will in this day. I end with this. Andrew Carnegie, the great philanthropist who Carnegie Hall is named after, he desperately wanted more life. And he made the comment that if I had ten years left to live, I would make a lasting contribution to society if I had ten more years. He offered $200 million dollars to whoever could help him to extend his life ten more years. It didn't happen. Two hundred million dollars over ten years would average out to $54,794 a day. $38 a minute. But you know something? Even though Andrew Carnegie had that kind of money, he didn't have that kind of time. 
listen, you've been given 168 hours in a week to invest. To invest for a kingdom. How are we doing? And I don't say this for you to feel guilty. Oh, good night. I'm not into guilt. I just want to proclaim to you that in a dark day, we need to reset our compasses. And the way we reset our compass is we've got to reset our watches.